Hey there, and welcome back to With Her, Hillary Clinton's official campaign podcast. This week, my co-host's a little busy. Turns out, uh, running for president, time-consuming affair. She is out talking to voters across the country, and I got to talk to one voter who uh, knows Hillary in a way that nobody else does, her daughter Chelsea. I caught up with Chelsea in the green room. She had just been uh, on TV, and I pulled her aside right when she came off. We talked about all sorts of things, her kids, her life on the trail, and what only she knows about her mom. Hey, Chelsea Clinton. Hi, Max. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me on the podcast. We are uh, in New York. You are between campaign stops. You're back on the trail after uh, becoming uh, mom again. I'm so happy to have become a mom again. Uh, so grateful. Uh, my son Aiden is two and a half months old, and uh, his big sister Charlotte is turning two later this month. And I just, they're the light of my life. And I can talk about my children as much as you want on the podcast, Max. Well, I've, I've heard you talking about your children a little bit. What's it like to go out on the road and then come back to New York and sort of take that break? How do you manage that feels kind of schizophrenic to me? Well, um, it thankfully uh, doesn't feel schizophrenic to me. Um, <laughs> it feels just necessary, and I'm so grateful um, to be able to be a mom, which is my most important priority, and also um, to be a, a, a proud daughter and advocate for my mom, which is um, also part of, of being a good mom to me. I, mean, I think this is the most important election of my lifetime, um, in large part because it's the first presidential election that I've been engaged in as a parent. So. I uh, am grateful to kind of be able to go out on the road for a day or two and then come back and um, spend some time with Charlotte, although I do obsessively FaceTime with her when I'm away. I think she's sort of like, oh, mom, I've already seen you today. I need to go play in the park. Um, and I'm just grateful to be able to to, so, to balance it so far. And we'll, we'll hope that that continues uh, from now until November 8th. I'm sure that uh, almost everyone listening feels like uh, they know your mom pretty well. But you are the only person on earth who knows her as a mom. How has becoming a parent uh, made you think differently about your mom? I love my mom even more. <laughs> I didn't know that was possible. Um, I just am so in awe of my mom. I mean, that I never felt growing up that she kind of made the quality or quantity of time trade-off because she was around a lot and we had so much quality time together. You know, family dinners during the week were sacred times and if she did have to miss a dinner because she was traveling I always knew why I understood it was only because there was something really important right. that was about kind of my future that was taking her um, away from the family dinner table you were actually interested in it because I feel like what my parents talked to me about their work I was just like enough like I'm going to play Nintendo well I, I wasn't allowed to have a Nintendo, so maybe that You weren't was, allowed to have a Nintendo? No, I was not could allowed. Could you watch cable TV? I could watch half an hour of television a night, and I could watch unlimited cartoons on Saturday morning. And the unlimited cartoons on Saturday morning was really a genius move by my mom because like, pretty quickly I was doing other things on Saturday mornings. Like I, was, I had brownie meetings, or I had my Y soccer league, or... Um, I had a play date with friends, and so kind of it was an unexercisable right, like <laughs> right. the unlimited cartoons on Saturday morning. <laughs> Do you guys still talk a lot, you and your mom? Oh my gosh, I talk to my mom a lot. Yes. <laughs> are you like, are you like, uh, like legit close? Uh, yes. Like if you have like a problem in your life, 
is she someone that you call? Oh my gosh. I, if I have, um, something I'm thinking about or kind of worrying about, I talk to my husband first and then I talk to my mom. What kind of advice does she give? Well, she's a great listener. Um, so she, I think in many ways, her greatest gift is just enabling me to kind of work through kind of what I know is the right answer. Right? I think a lot of us, like when we ask questions, we're like, you know, I don't know if this is a good idea. Often if we're asking that question, it's probably not a good idea. Yeah. And so she's a really good active listener in enabling me to just work through and kind of navigate toward what I probably knew was the right answer anyway. Can you think of moments where she's sort of... Uh maybe like <laughs> jump to the jump to the chase or like this so there's something i think about a, a fair bit at this moment um because my daughter's starting nursery school so i've been thinking about like all of my first days of school or my first experiences with school and this is kind of not quite in the vein of what we were talking about before but i think pretty illuminating in terms of how sometimes i need more of an active listener i do need kind of an intervention <laughs> she has always been able to provide that too i was just so upset my freshman year at Stanford, I had worked so hard on this chemistry exam and I just hadn't gotten the grade that I had hoped I would. And what grade did you get? I got a B minus. Like a B minus? I can't believe we're talking about this. This is really, now my husband's going to make even more fun of me for like my nerdy, like type A, like. That is like the worst grade you've ever gotten as a B minus? Can we change the topic <laughs> of conversation? So yes, I had never gotten a B minus before. And I was so upset and I called my mom, and this actually was one of those like aha moments in my life. And she said to me, like quite calmly and clearly, like, "Did you work as hard as you could?" And I said, "Yes." Like there was nothing else I could have done. She said, "There's just some things you're not going to be good at, and that's okay. Like there are a lot of hmm. other things you are going to be good at, and you're going to work hard at those. And, and do you want to be a chemist?" And I said, "No." <laughs> and he said, "Well, then you should feel really grateful that what you're not good at is something you don't want to do." I mean, this is a necessary step if you like do decide you really want to kind of pursue your pre-med path, which is something I was considering in my freshman year. So this is in service to something else. This is not going to determine kind of whether or not you'll be a doctor or how good a doctor you'll be. And you're 17 years old, so who knows if you're actually going to even decide to pursue this path. Like, yeah. lest we forget, this is still your first term in college. And then she said, you also need to realize how lucky you are. Like, you are really, really lucky. And you know, today I think what we would say privileged, like you're really privileged. Like this is what you're upset about. Like you need to just take a beat and recognize how lucky you are that this is what can really be tearing at your heart and mind when so many other young people your age have so many other very real challenges that you're lucky enough to not even have to worry about. And I thought, oh my God, like you're a hundred percent right. This is not what should be tearing up my heart and mind. Uh, and I did work as hard as I could. And I need to refocus my priorities to kind of recognize how blessed I really am in so many ways. And also realize, like, yes, I'm not going to be a chemist. What a freeing thing to say. That's, I mean, that's remarkable. It also makes me think about how much pressure I assume you must have felt then. To have your mom at that moment say... Hey, like you don't have to be perfect. Must have been pretty incredible. Did you feel that pressure when you were 19 and at Stanford and whole world staring at you? <laughs> well, I think um, I've always felt pressure mainly from inside to just work as hard as I could, to be the best that I could be in any setting, um, kind of school or work-wise. And I've always felt kind of it's my responsibility to overprove myself in whatever setting I find myself. Um, but to me, the the greater lessons of what my mom said to me, and I really, it was one of those like, aha, like, 
and deeply humbling and really embarrassing in the best sense moments of, of my life was to never forget what's actually important mm-hmm. and even more so to be deliberately focused on that even uh, when we're engaged in other pursuits like the next chemistry test I was going to have to take that you know, loomed only a few weeks in the future. Were, were you guys like talking politics and policy at dinner? Yes. Yes. Put me in like second, third grade Chelsea. <laughs> like, are you guys talking? When does that start? Because you're so... I mean, I don't remember a time when we weren't talking really? about those things. And, and yet often the conversations would be like, what do you like and not like about school? Yeah. And then they would ask me kind of, well, then what do you think would, would make what you like kind of more true? Um, and what would make what you don't like better? And so helping for me, particularly as a kid, connect my lived experience to the, to the policies um, that already did or, or could influence my reality in, in second grade when I was in Mrs. Huey's class, for example, <laughs> right. in Booker um, Elementary School in Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm sort of not surprised to hear you say that, that those are the conversations you were having around the dinner table. I feel like um, kind of like a rube saying this, but like for me, it's just it's so crazy that that dinner table was like uh, in the White House. You know, it's like you're talking about this policy stuff and you're so close to the decisions that uh, are going to make it possible or impossible. It's like just as someone uh, who's so far outside of that. Uh, it's totally crazy. It's a totally crazy thing. Well, I'm really grateful to my parents for making me feel included in their work. In Arkansas, when my dad was governor and my mom was first lady and working on a lot of education issues, early childhood education and improving our public schools. And then in the White House and kind of all that my dad was doing and also all my mom was doing, particularly around healthcare reform, and women's rights uh, here in the United States and around the world. And I think if we hadn't had those conversations, it would have had a lot of cognitive dissonance for me. So Mm -hmm. I think the fact that my parents shared what they were working on, shared what they were worried about, encouraged me to talk about kind of my own experiences, what I was passionate about, trying to draw the connections and then listening to me as I learned how to draw the connections between kind of what was happening at the state level when I was younger, the federal level when I was a little bit older. I'm just so grateful um, for that. And I know my children are really little, but I uh, read the headlines to them every day. And I talk to them about kind of why I think this campaign is so important. And I talk to them about kind of where I'm going on the trail for their grandmother, because I'm already trying to build that same sense of feeling connected to kind of my work and activism and also you know, our, our city, our state, our, our country, um, because I just think my parents gave me such a gift that they might not have even known they were giving me when I was growing up. Um, I, I did some math, and uh, since you were 10, there have been seven presidential elections, and four of them one of your parents was running in. And so one question I had was just like, is this normal now? Because <laughs> it's you know, This campaign does feel so different to me, uh, because as we were discussing earlier, it is the first uh, campaign for me as a parent. And so that is a, a really big difference. It's also very different for me than in 2008 when my mom was running because my grandmother isn't here. Uh, and I uh, was fiercely close to my grandmother and just miss her so much and wish that she were here on, on this journey with us. Um, and I recognize that's just so selfish because I she gave the best hugs in the whole world and I would just love to hear her thoughts and reactions you know, to everything that is happening um, in this campaign. And so it does feel 
very different this time. And yet I, I do recognize that I have kind of had both this sort of extraordinary life because of the choices that my parents have, have made and also worked really hard to have my own life within that. Um, so you know, maybe the answer to your question is is yes and no, mm-hmm. um, which I think, or, or at least maybe I have to think this way, is, is a healthy place to be. Sounds pretty healthy to me. If your mom wins and your family moves back into the White House, what do you think it's going to be like for you to bring them there, this place that you spent like such a formative part of your life are you gonna be able to like walk down some like corridor and show them the place you like carved your initials in the wood or well, something I definitely did not carve my initials in the wood <laughs> i guess i should have known that from that yeah, whole minus thing definitely did not um <laughs> do anything like that i really am so excited to take my children in the same way that i was so excited to go with my parents to see kind of where where they grew up i'm excited to take them to little rock i'm excited to take them to Washington. I'm excited at some point to take them to Stanford. You know, I loved those trips with my parents when I was little, seeing where they grew up. So for me, as much as yes, it is about kind of the White House and hoping that they understand kind of what a privilege and a responsibility it was to kind of be there as a kid and how I really did always feel a deep responsibility to the history and also to the families that would live there later. I mean, I didn't know that Malia and Sasha would live there at some point, but I knew that someone else would and and likely kind of other daughters would, and I wanted them to feel like I had done my part in kind of this continuous collective history. So I'm excited to show them that, and I'm also just excited to show them like where I did my homework (laughs) and like where I um, would practice my ballet steps um, at home kind of before I went to bed at night. And so it's both kind of the extraordinary and, and the ordinary, once again, kind of wrapped all together. Are you are you going to like uh, give some notes to Sasha and Malia about this transition they're about to make? I am always and forever in their corner. So if they want my advice, I'm happy to give it. And if they don't, like I am happy to just continue to cheer them on from a distance. Hey, Chelsea, thank you. Max, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to With Her. I'm Max Linsky. My co-host is Hillary Clinton. She's running for president. Her daughter is Chelsea, and thanks to her for taking some time. All of our previous episodes are available at hillaryclinton.com slash podcast. We'll see you soon.